Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we're proud to say that we are translating to many different languages for us, our listeners outside of the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. And the paranormal and the sacred air is every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take questions in order in chat, and you may call in with your questions and speak with our guests. Any buzz killers in chat or on the phone will be kicked out, and I have a copy of your phone number, so I'm going to bug you, so don't bug me, and let's just play nice and be polite. Anyway, there's there's a big thing coming up. It's Contact in the Desert, and it's uh, next weekend, the 29th through uh, 31st. And uh, let's see, the information on that is at Joshua Tree, and uh, oh, so many people are uh, well known in the UFO field. Uh, so go to contactinthedesert.com, and the phone number for that event is 760. 760- Three six five eight three seven one, and let's see. There's also a thing coming up in Maine, uh, and they're uh, pushing it to August twenty eighth, twenty nine, and it's experience so to speak. And they're all uh, meeting out there, and it's a, usually a wonderful gathering. And I'll be telling you more about that as it then gets closer. And I also want you to go check out uh, Gary Bobroff. He has a he likes Jungian, uh, and he's a, actually a modern-day Jungian um, prof- professional, and uh, he's really an interesting guy, and he does classes on uh, archetypal things in nature, how your path is different from others, and how can you get, you know, these satisfaction and fulfillment and find your true love and stuff like that. Anyway, to get a hold of him, you go to www. A-R-C-H-E-T-Y-P-A-L, nature, and that's how you get a hold of him. So uh, that's all the things I have for now. But uh, we have a wonderful guest uh, tonight. Uh, she's Jacqueline uh, Jones, also known as Savvy Jacqueline, is an experiencer who's having paranormal activity her entire life that includes psychic predictions of natural disasters and events. 
she was advanced in mathematics at a very young age with a strong attraction in geometry, philosophy, and history. She was promoted to vice president by the age of 30 and by one of the largest corporations in the world, and she's no stranger to success. She has received awards and praise for innovative work ideas and top performance. As an expert in business management marketing, she has worn many hats in the corporate world and the entertainment industry as well as the world of philanthropy. She has managed million-dollar portfolios, artists, and worked in concert production and radio. Jacqueline has explored the subject of UFO and extraterrestrials through research, expos, lectures, and even voyages to Egypt, which was such an awesome thing to see those pictures in 2012 with Project Camelot. She's also a member of CERO, Close Encounter Resource Organization, as well as I am, created and led by Yvonne Smith, internationally known hypnotherapist. By sharing her experiences and, and allowing other contactees to know that they're not alone, and she hopes to bring awareness to the abduction phenomena and help others. Tonight we'll be discussing synchronicities, Hollywood, and the current movie themes, some psychic stuff, artificial intelligence, and the future. So let's see. Let me get Jackie on here. Welcome, Jackie. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Hello. Thank you for having me again. Hey. Yes, because you've been on before, and uh, it's always so intriguing. Um, uh, you know your history, the things you think about, and all the stuff that you do. It's, it's you're quite amazing, and uh, you're still young. Yeah. You know, so it's <laughs> it's uh, kind of, it's really amazing. So <laughs> I don't know what you're accomplished next. It's, you know, it's getting scary. But anyway. <laughs> Well, I was thinking prior to coming onto the show how amazing you are, Char, and everything that you've done. So I truly appreciate you. I know your listeners do as well, but you are an amazing woman. Gosh, thank you, Jackie. I really appreciate that. You know, I'm at a, a little bit of a low time right now because of being ill, but uh, there's a complete uh, thing that's going to, uh, a surgery that's going to fix whatever my problem is. So I'll oh, be nice. back in action soon. Yeah, it's a... 85% cure rate, and I found out about this weird, it's it's called the hyperparathyroidism. It's not my thyroid, it's my parathyroid, and I've mm-hmm. never heard of them. It and, sounds uh, like it's something related to being an experiencer. What do you, you know, think? You got that right, Jackie, because you know what? Uh, my uh, levels are at the victims of Cher- Chernobyl levels. Right. It's, they're saying it's like radiation uh, related. Exactly. And stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, even yeah. as a child, I had the very same thing where I had symptoms that appear that I was being near a large level of radiation in contact with something like that. Well, where did that come from? So that is exactly it. When you described it before, I thought mm-hmm. the exact same thing because it's abnormal levels. And doctors will look really, at you like, where yeah. did this come from? Yeah. Yeah. It, at first, you know, it, it's uh, it's got me extremely tired. But uh, other than that, it's like 85% reversible with removal because they just found wow. the tumor thing on Friday. So um, hopefully I'll get that surgery soon and uh, get back in order. So all I'm doing is going to work and coming home. So that's why I've been missing action lately. However... Thank you. No, oh, you guys are thinking of me, so it's, uh, I love everybody very much. So anyway, um, 
Did her, uh, why don't you uh, give everybody a history of uh, where you grew up and your past and things like that, and then we'll move on to some interesting things that we want to discuss tonight. Okay, great. So you said a lot in my bio. Um, I had a very normal upbringing. I always say that. But, again, it's a normal upbringing to me. When I talk to other people, they don't think it's as normal. So throughout my entire life, I had a lot of paranormal experiences, as you said, and a lot of it still can't even be explained. So is it extraterrestrial? Maybe some of it is. Is it um, part of this what some people call the false matrix or some sort of programming? Maybe it is, but it is unexplainable. A lot of things growing up that would come up that were abnormal was I was abnormally advanced, which isn't a bad thing. So in school, elementary school, I tested for high-level college-level mathematics, English, science, and the sorts. Um, I was always try- They always tried to take me out of school and put me in special schools, but my mother was really against that. She wanted me to live the quote-unquote normal life as possible. But in addition to that, I also would get a lot of visitors, which I just would think were maybe, when I was younger, they were, I would see gnomes and fairies and of the sort. And then as I got older, they turned into more things I would recognize as in maybe a being or an extraterrestrial. And I would have a lot of psychic phenomenon happen around me. I would be able to predict events, natural disasters, earthquakes, and so forth. And I just thought that these were things that everybody goes through, right? Doesn't everybody dream about aliens? (laughs) So I really never thought anything of it, especially because Hollywood is such an impact in everybody's life these days, movies, film, television, radio. And so I would just think it was just a part of my culture, you know, and so maybe I was only having these type of dreams because I saw this movie or whatever the case may be. So I never really looked into it until I got older, and it wasn't until after the age of 30 when I started to embark on the journey of finding out more about UFOlogy that I discovered, wait a second, these, wait, you mean these things really do happen to people? And so that's that's where I started to find out that, wait a second, this is real. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, we met in zero, and I was trying to think of uh, uh, how long. I think it was, well, you think it's been five years, about five years? It has. It goes, it, sometimes it goes by fast, but then other times it goes by really slow. <laughs> Time. <laughs> That's true, because me uh, and you have the same uh, kind of issues uh, that, Okay, so we've had these extraordinary uh, experiences that have altered our reality, really. Yeah. We're living like yes. two different worlds, and we're walking around this altered reality that we know and see things that other people don't see and all this. But once in a while, I want to say, screw it. You know, I've had it with this. <laughs> and, you know, this, is, this life is hard enough without worrying about all this other stuff. And then I come back again and I start all over again. You know, you go through like these layers of, do uh, you think it's like denial or what do you think? Yeah, some of it, some of it is, some of it is so bad it's like a joke. You're like, of course this happened, of course. Why, of course, why wouldn't it, you know? But then other times it's it's pretty amazing, like the synchronicities and the connections that you'll have with people, oh, yeah. and then you'll realize, okay, I get it now, I get it. But, it, you know, if you go through these cycles, uh, sometimes we have no activity, no experiences. Um, for a long time I used to predict earthquakes and natural disasters, and it would be one after the other, and I would even post them on Facebook, and people were like, wow, you're psychic. 
And then yeah. for the last yeah. couple of years, nothing. <laughs> yeah, so, that's the way it is. You know, we, you it goes in waves. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, think, I still have experiences. A, Go ahead. I, well, this is what I was thinking. Excuse me. I was thinking maybe it's a need-to-know basis. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought of that? Yes, and I also think for a long time when I would see things that would happen before they happened, I didn't know what was happening. And then when I went and I started investigating and I met Yvonne and I did hypnosis regression, I spent some time with Barbara Lamb as well and other experts, and I started to realize, okay, I see what's going on. They're trying to show me something to validate something, that this is really happening and that's when it stopped happening. So maybe they, maybe that's what it was for me. I'm not sure. I still have psychic experiences, but it's not like how it used to be. I mean, I predicted, or I didn't predict, but I had a dream that I actually experienced the 2004 tsunami that happened in Indonesia, and it was so powerful. And it happened exactly the way that I had experienced it. And so that, you know, and then I Nepal just happened. And even though I have a connection with Nepal and I've dreamt about being in Nepal and being in these temples, I did not know Nepal had an earthquake coming. And that's something that a couple years ago I probably would have known. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, that what we do is that not that – I think it's more like, an, like I said, the need-to-know basis and yeah. that uh, – Maybe your positive think because I was thinking when I feel something bad's happen, I start praying. You know yeah. what I mean. So maybe we need positive input for any given situation, and then sometimes you know we're just out of the loop for some reason. But right. I don't, I don't like being out of the loop, which is strange because I don't like right. to be focused to be focused on. I had to have all those experiences sometimes that really bothers me. But then again, mm-hmm. I miss it when it's gone. <laughs> so it's just. <laughs> It's just not right. Now, we had a recent, very strange synchronicity. Yes, very we did. Me. <laughs> and uh, we we have always liked each other from the gate, you know, but I, this is now the listeners are going to, I don't know what they're going to think about this. This is beyond coincidence, okay? Mm-hmm. So I have a best friend mm-hmm. who's also my co-experiencer, mm-hmm. and along with now her husband to get involved in everything else. So she has a nephew that has a spot called The Lab, and that's where it's they shoot movies. It's an amazing spot. This mm-hmm. is, it's an amazing spot, really. And it's called The Lab, and it's really cool. Her son has uh, rented out these, these um, uh, different uh, parts of it, so now they're doing uh, interviews and a few interviews and everything else. But I told uh, Yvonne a long time ago, and like, there's a spot there. We should have a parties over here, but I don't think she realized what I was saying. So anyway, so I saw you post a picture of you at the lab. Now remember, this is my best friend's nephew. And I was like, you're not going to believe this, but my best friend is there right now. This is my nephew's place. I said, go over and talk to her. She's a redhead. <laughs> And it's weird because Ron James is the one who rented the spot out. Right. Which is very odd. I met Ron James last year, and we became Facebook friends, so I always intended to interview him. You know what I mean? But now mm-hmm. he's, he has a spot over there. Now, how? Now can you explain this? That is just and, you know, he has a U, he's building a UFO. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. I, and he's I building a, a UFO. And some photographs. <laughs> 
Oh, my God. Well, not only that, but as soon as I met her, I knew she was the one who you had the synchronicity you of the cat. Yes. You I knew. I knew this, is, this has up. to be the friend. Yes. Well, see, okay, so that's what happens with these synchronicities. And anybody who has synchronicities that consistently happen to them can identify with this is that they get so good that you already know that the synchronicity is happening and you know that you've got to be the person with this synchronicity because that's why I just ran into you. start to identify them before they even actually happen. So when I saw her and you told me that that was your friend, I said this has got to be the friend that has the synchronicity of the cats because that's why we're yeah. meeting right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's okay, so when Ron Jane, like, uh, first of all, it was her husband that said, can you call Charlene and ask if she knows Ron James? So she called me and said, do you know Ron James? I went, well, yeah, I know Ron James. And then uh, he did the Travis Walton thing, too, the, you know, that the new uh, documentary. Right, yes, the uh, new film. Travis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is another thing that's odd, and you know why I was involved with the Travis thing. But anyway, that was right, just right. weird anyway. That's just weird anyway. But uh, any... Uh, how do you explain this whole thing? So when they called and asked me that, I went, yeah. You know, that me and Rosemary have been discussing Oh, sorry. We've been discussing it ever since. And, uh, like, I couldn't get my mind around it. That's because something else was going to happen. That meant you were going to go over there. Right. Because you know, I knew some. I was waiting for another piece to fall. And that's what happened. You went over there. And uh, it's, it's really a, a very incredible. It's not. I don't know what's happening with it, but it's not uh, just a coincidence. It's an amazing synchronicity. Yes. There are no coincidences. We're probably yeah. all related, and we don't even know it. I mean, you're related to William Wallace. I'm related right? to William Wallace. Are you? No, but oh. my father was adopted, and it turns out his father has that ancestry. So oh, you're I, kidding. Yeah, so who knows? I mean... That just gave me a chill. I can't even believe that one. <laughs> there is a possibility that we are <laughs> and we're going to find out. And it's uh, and uh, plus these extraordinary experiences are are really uh, incredible. Um, and we share the interest in a couple different things, and, and a couple of it is pretty spooky, you know. Uh, right. Like we were, we're like the whole thing with. Um, well, you know, the evil that runs through maybe Hollywood, you know. Right. And that movie, Eyes Wide Shut. I always believed right. that it was, a, it was a true story. I've always believed uh-huh. that. Uh-huh, yes. Yes. So and it is. Well, it? yeah, we, we talked about that last time. And yeah. Stanley Kubrick did a lot of research, and he was delving into a lot of stuff that was based on truth. And then that was his last film. Yeah, that was that ended the marriage of. Uh, um, who are they again? The occult, or you yeah, mean? Oh no, Nicole Kidman and Tom no, Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, so that was their end of their marriage, also, and his he actually uh, was dead shortly after that too. So uh, there's just certain things that, uh, like, what do you think about all the ufologists that are passing away? Like a ton of people. You know, it, it's it's sad and it's very hard. So we have, there's two levels. One is we have a lot of ufologists who have 
given their lives basically doing this, and a lot of them are older, and so they're not. Stephen Bassett always says they're not getting to see disclosure. You know, they're they're leaving us before disclosure happens. Um, there's that aspect to it, but then we have a lot of young ones who just disappear or die randomly of strange diseases, and that has always happened um, as well. It used to happen more at the when UFOlogy first started after Roswell and things like that. Mm-hmm. Investigations got really eerie, and people would just disappear. And a lot of people from that era do talk about that. But then every now and then we still have people who just passed away and they were working on a specific project. Anything that gets too political seems to be when people get in trouble. Yeah, I think they're okay I, with us talking about aliens and space, yeah, but then yeah. when you tie it into politics, I think that's when it, when it becomes a threat. Yeah, and I, but I wonder, uh, since there's so much disinformation and, you know, propaganda that it doesn't yeah. exist and all sorts of stuff, why would they go... But you know what? Since the before the Cold War, they were killing people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Back then, I remember reading stories about uh, them pushing people out, doing the LSD experiments and pushing people out windows and stuff like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So people are capable of doing that. We hate to think like that, but um, it's true. Mm-hmm. And now there's, there's a lot of stories of a lot of bankers that have just been quote-unquote, committing suicide or dying. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it's about, but um, it, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I don't think it's over yet, but I think what's happening is that, um, like, you know, more will be revealed, you know that saying? I think that's right. what's going on. Everything that's been in the dark is coming to light, and we're not going to like some of this. On the right. other hand, we're going to there is stuff because we have a joy for life, and we're living, and you know we it's enjoy. You know you can have a lot of fun on this planet, you know, and right. maybe other planets. But uh, <laughs> the thing is, is that um, I think it's all the dark is coming to light, and then people's covers are getting pulled. Right. You know. Because you know I got madder in hell about that Roswell stupid thing. (laughs) But the reason why I'm saying it, okay, you you want to, I I didn't even know if I explained it enough because I was too busy cussing. But uh, the reason (laughs) why I A lot of people are still upset and it really did rile up the community. I mean, people are still angry. If you You just do a search for it online. (laughs) You know why I'm angry? Because it's yet another stupid mummy in a shell. That's yes. why I'm mad. When I saw that, I thought at least, the very <laughs> least, I'd see something mysterious. But no, it's another little dried-up mummy laying on a shelf. I know. Like, I couldn't believe it. I think that's what bugged me. At least it could have been interesting, not dragging out the same old slides from whenever. I you know. know. That is that's exactly how I saw it. Was, there's so okay. much new information. There's so much yeah. new information. Not only with what we have going on in UFOlogy, but NASA alone, what what NASA will admit to and how they are discovering new planets and how these planets could have new life, and then we go all the way back to something, and it's this. So that that is very frustrating, and it's frustrating for the community, and it's an easy target for most people who don't understand the community and UFOlogy to say, oh, well, yeah, that thing that came out was fake, right? You guys still have no evidence. 
yeah. that's where it gets frustrating oh. because those people who are only looking when it's convenient will see that, you know, oh, he yet again, you had no evidence. And we in the community know there's tons of evidence, but some people will only look at that. So it is very frustrating. And it's also frustrating. I feel really, really bad for the UFOlogists involved. I mean, there are mm-hmm. some people that, like, for instance, Paula Harris, who I highly respect. I highly yeah. recommend her work, her investigations. Um, just because she was a part of it and she was there doing her own thing, she gets kind of grouped into it, and so she feels she has to defend herself, and so now people mm-hmm. are attacking her. Richard Dolan, who's a good friend of mine, and he's brilliant. He's the most credible he's in the amazing. field. And he's just there doing his own thing, and people are attacking him because he was there. And, I mean, it's like no, it's like any other event, like contact in the desert. Just because somebody does, exactly. you know, something over here doesn't mean that they can't do their part over there. But yet Richard is being attacked and having to explain, you know, why he was there and a part of it. But those were not his slides. That was not him presenting. He was presenting his own thing. So it's it's very sad because the community got attacked at all angles. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't even know who was who did it. I wasn't even aware of who. I was just just mad when I saw the slide. Right, I wasn't aware right. of who was down there. You know what I mean? Right. So I didn't get mad at any one individual, and I'm still not. I'm just, right. uh, I think that, uh, I think it's a big lesson learned because I think everybody will go into it uh, and actually want to see and examine all this stuff, you know what I mean, before you go out and right. stick your neck out. And I guess I, it did make a lot, a lot of money, and I think that's another thing that really chat people's hide, and it turned out to be that kid on our shelf, so it's just yeah. not good. <laughs> you know, but that's why I personally got mad, that because it was just another damn mummy, you know, it's yeah. stupid to me. Yeah, like, and we here stupid? we go again, yeah. Here we go again. Right. And, you know, and somebody like Steve Bassett is working his ASS off. I know. the world about disinformation and then this stupid stuff. That's the yes. first thing I thought of. I said, what about the people that are taking this to Washington and are going, you know, and trying so hard, you know, and, and then this baloney. But anyway, I think this will kind of blow over pretty soon. People are still kind of bugged with it, but... You know, but the, it and then it that it had nothing to do with Roswell. You know, right. and then it was wrapped in with something about Roswell, and I was like, "What the heck does this have to do with Roswell at all?" Right. You know, but talking about Roswell now, I wanted to switch to uh, uh, talking about you know mysterious things going on and uh, in Roswell. There's a there's a there's a documentary called The Mirage Men. That talks about uh, men in black and that uh, the UFO folklore is actually, you know, fabricated by the U.S. government, blah, 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 blah. But I think that's a disinformation, which Mm -hmm. is also a telltale sign of our government. They'll just make up stuff and hopefully that we'll be hoping that we believe it. You know, that's why that it was wrapped up in that thing again and it's the military. And then I was embarrassed. I think that was another thing, too. I don't know. But then on the other hand, you know, someday we'll laugh at it. You know. <laughs> the earth was flat. What will we know tomorrow, right? Well, now yeah, people are saying we'll the earth is flat again. That w- yeah. 
now people are saying the earth is flat again. That theory is going around again. Yeah. Oh so what my will we know tomorrow? <laughs> I know. We've had astronauts right in our group. Now, Sierra International for everybody that helps people that are, that are abductees, having uh, UFO experiences and stuff like that. And uh, we have had astronauts in, in our group. And they have right. seen the world that it is round. So the flat earth is, is, is a very odd. I don't get it. Yeah, and and it's what happens is unfortunately with UFOlogy, it's good and it's bad. But some people will take it so seriously that it becomes a religion. You know, kind of like how the New Age community became sort of a religion, and so then people yeah. really start to just take it to a whole nother level. When we really just need to understand that we don't know a lot about it, and that's okay because we're discovering. I mean, we don't know a lot about the origins of human life. Even science doesn't know a lot of things, but that's a part of our journey, and that's a part of why we're here. I think we need to just be open-minded and not, you know, always think we have answers. And I think that's where we fail in this field is that we're so adamant about this ufologist has all the answers or this one says they have the answers and they know because of this and X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, do anybody, does anybody really know? You know, and it's okay not to know. I think that's, that's the part is that, in UFOlogy, we are so used to, and in, in this field in general, whatever you want to call it, we're so used to having to fend ourselves from people just yeah. thinking that we're into this because we're different or weird or whatever, that then we then turn on each other and try to be more right than the other person. And I think we just need to be okay with we don't have all the answers. But what we are experiencing is different, It's it's and it's real. It is, and it seems like that um, everybody has a, a little different point of view. We're lucky when we have two stories that are similar. You know right. what I mean? That's why that I have so many stories that are similar uh, with my friend, and especially that cat thing was phenomenal because it mm-hmm. actually opened my mind that there's something happening. It related to, oddly enough, ancient Egypt, and I've never kind of believed the storyline of the whole thing, so I can never put it all together. Like, what is ancient aliens or whatever? What does it all have to do with what's going on with this scientific stuff? Because I'm very interested in the science of uh, alien technology, too. But right. this, remember I had that genius moment of clarity. So what I'm talking about is a very odd experience, people. Don't hold this against me. But <laughs> there was two blue cats that showed up, furry cats about four feet tall, they showed up at my sliding glass door. Mm-hmm. And they were extremely friendly, very friendly. My best friend was also here in my house, and I was trying to give her one of the cats. I said, here, you take this one. And so we're, we're uh, it's oddly strange because in the past we've played with Beanie Babies, you know. Oh, you're missing mm-hmm. this one. Here, take this one. You know, And we're full blown <laughs> women doing this stupid stuff. But anyway, when you've been friends 40 years, you just do this, this dumb stuff. But anyway, so uh, the phenomena was blue cats, and nobody could, I said it, even in a group, but nobody really responded because they're saying, oh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody's trying to listen to me, but uh, then I related it back. I remember, I, I think I remembered that uh, how I put it together was the blue faces on some of the Egyptian walls. They, it has some faces that are blue. Yes. Then they worship cats. Yes. 
You know what I mean? And then I put it together, and it was like Eureka. And then I remember you understood it perfectly. And once, once I said, I finally got that out. But we're learning this in layers, don't you think? Like when these experiences happen, it's valid and it's true. You know, yeah. it really did happen. My friend was here with me. She saw it. And then she shows up with a jacket. At, we went for Denny's for dinner. And then she got a jacket the same exact color, a blue fur with darker uh, blue designs, and that's what they look like, and big blue eyes, and very loving. So it was my first positive alien experience. And they, and like I told you, they recently discovered thousands of giant cat statues in Egypt that they haven't announced. Of po- and they look so- like they're upright cat. They look, they basically look like giant human cats, except the only difference is instead of a human face, they have a cat face. Yeah, because they were standing upright. Right. That's and exactly the how they kind are. Of, yeah. And and uh that's I haven't seen a picture of that yet. Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. Kathleen McGowan is the one who had posted it when she was out there I think it was about a year and a half ago and they had just discovered them and they hadn't announced it yet because they don't they don't know what to make of it. They don't know how to explain it. Egypt that's is, the way you know, it amazing. That's the way I felt. It's amazing, yeah, but it does... Yes. Go ahead. There's so much, especially in Egypt, well, all over the world, undiscovered underneath us in the oceans that are unexplained, and we we come across them when we find them. They'll find pyramids in the ocean. They'll find civilizations in the ocean. And, and people in our community or people who are, are interested in even archaeology and so forth, they will start to, they'll hear of these stories because that's what they're into, but the general public never hears about it unless CNN reports it. So there's a lot yeah. of stuff out there. You know, and it's fascinating uh, that there is so much stuff they're discovering and they're not telling us. And, and right. I was so offended when I realized there was these amazing scientific uh, discoveries and that they're keeping it back from us. I thought that was illegal or something. I don't know where I picked that up at, but I always thought that they were, since we're supporting this, that it was open information to all of us, but that's not true. It's not. And in different countries, they abide by their own laws and their own um, their own faith. For instance, in Egypt, because they're Muslim, whatever the Quran states, they don't want to go against it. So if dates and anything that th- that might go against it, they just do not, they don't announce it. They hide it. Well, that's, that's you know, that's terrible because, you know, meanwhile, we're advancing. Right. You know, mean, okay, so even being ill has taken things to another level for me. First, first of all, it shocked me when you realize, oh, my God, I can't, I can't uh, do certain things and something has me. And it, it it actually uh, took me to like a spiritual thing, meaning when you're vulnerable, you start feeling these other odd things. You know what I yes. mean? I didn't know that I prided myself on my ability to do stuff. And then when you can't do stuff, you know, I was even looking at my calendar from even last year, and uh, I was doing more stuff. I was running out of steam, but I was doing stuff. Now, you know, currently nothing, just working, coming back home. But uh, it brought me to a level of humility, humility, you know, and uh, I don't know if it's humbleness, but I've been, I feel humiliated. (laughs) But I'm laughing because things that bring you to your knees also raise you up because once you learn your lesson, you know, you come out the other side. That's the way I feel like what's happening to me right now. 
Yeah, and it's known in in people who have experience with the paranormal or spiritual, they usually have a lot of activity during the times where they're down. Exactly what's Whether, going on. Right. Or they'll they'll experience their people who have passed on when they're depressed. They'll come through. So it's interesting, but there is a high correlation. Yeah, I didn't know that because uh, I've been having a lot of out of body and near death experience kind of experiences and a lot of uh, awareness that uh, there is a creepy feeling or people like talking about me because I can't do anything. You know, it's really I so I feel bad. And my heart is going out to everybody right now that is sick and at home or some reason you can't do stuff. You know, you're still valuable yeah. if you can't do one damn thing. You know, and that's what yeah. I'm learning because God loves us. We are uh, worthwhile. We're, we have every right to be here as the trees do, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're human beings. We're special. And just because this happens or you can't do something doesn't mean you're not valuable. Right. Yeah, because being doers, I think that's what we fall into. So, and you've had your own uh, spiritual path, and uh, do you want to talk about about your spiritual path? I do because it's fascinating, and I always leave it out. I'll always forget. Again, going back to since we're in this community and in this field, we are so defensive most of the time because we're waiting for somebody to say, you know, that they don't believe in. UFOs or aliens or whatever that we're always on the guard so I tend to usually in my bios and even when I speak or do radio like this I tend to talk about my professional side and how I'm educated and I have a degree and I I survived in the corporate world and all of these things because that would make a person understand me believe me give me credibility but then I never really talk about the spiritual side and it's actually fascinating and I think it's it's strongly connected because even though I didn't grow up with a specific religion, when I was about 17 years old, I went to volunteer at a center in San Diego called the World Beat Center. And those people who are familiar with it will know it's a magnificent center run by a wonderful woman named Makeda Dredd. Makeda was Bob Marley's best friend, and she was friends with a lot of musicians. She's responsible for the reggae festivals that come through the city and a lot of other events, and as a nonprofit organization, they also do a lot of things with schools and with children. And it is a, it is a, it's almost like a, a, its own little spiritual mecca. Well, when I was 17 years old, I was heavily into Bob Marley's music, and I was always into philosophy and history and things of that nature, so I was drawn to his music because of his lyrics. And he talks about, a lot about, you know, history and fixing the world through love and and fighting oppression and things of the sort. And so he, I was naturally attracted to his music. And so I would listen to the radio, and she would be on it, because she also had her own radio show, Makeda. And so I decided at 17 I was going to go volunteer my time at her center because she had that. And when I went there, we instantly had this connection. She felt like she had already known me. And so she decided to, she was very, she is very spiritual, and in all aspects, all religions, all cultures of the world, and she's traveled in all over the world. And so she put me on that path. And I met with Native American elders. I worked with shaman, Buddhist monks, healers, swamis, yogis, you name it, from all over the world. And I traveled, and it, and it really put me on this spiritual path. Now, that was the ba- what she was doing was she was 
building a very basic foundation of where I could learn the world religions and appreciate everything and understand everything. But when she felt I had had what was needed to go to the next level, she then brought in the ancient alien theory. I was about 19 years old at this time, and I was not ready for it. So this is actually very interesting because when she introduced it to me, and she had some experts come in that were friends of hers that were very well-versed in the theory, and they started to explain it to me. I was like, wait a second, we were just doing the spiritual, all this spiritual stuff, and now you want to talk to me about aliens? So she explained to me, that's what I'm trying to show you, is that the basis of all these these spiritualities and these beliefs, the next level, the higher, is talking about extraterrestrials. And so... Not all religions, but a lot of them, especially Native Americans, they believe in the star people. And certain religions and faiths believe that the next level of your meditation or the next level is that you actually contact with spiritual beings, which are also known to be extraterrestrial. So I was in shock because I was 19 years old and I probably wasn't ready for this information. So all this information was coming at me, and I understood it, and I believed it, but I wasn't ready. So I told her, it's coming in, but the information is not really computing. <laughs> I'm not I'm not able to yeah. compute. It was too much for me. But um, after that, and she, so she, she stepped back, and so she said, okay, well, you know, when you're ready, when you're ready. I ended up, gradu- I was working with her while I went to college. I ended up graduating from college, getting a normal job in the corporate world and doing that thing. But the ancient alien theory never left me alone. Even though I continued doing whatever it is what I was doing, somebody would pull me aside and, you know, synchronistically recommend a book. Oh, you look like the type of person that needs to read this. And it would be something along the same lines. And so no matter where I went, it would always come back to me. And so then I finally, what ended up happening was I had a best friend who I moved to Hollywood with, and he recommended, well, he didn't recommend, he forced me, to read The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life by Drumvala Malthi Sadek. And so at that time, I was ready. For whatever reason, I had been ready. It was probably almost 10 years later, and I'm looking at it, and I'm finally ready. And so I'm reading it, and all of it starts to make sense. Everything that I pushed away started to come together, make sense, all the different spiritual paths that I had been put on, and everything was connected, and it made sense. Now, I um, recommend the book, but I'm not saying that he is accurate because a lot of people don't agree with him. But it it definitely put me on the right path, and it it made me hunger for more, and it made me kind of start to look into other things, and I started watching Ancient Aliens when that came out, and so I was a little bit more open to after that. So I think it's interesting because I think that if you look at cultures, especially Native Americans, the ones who are in contact with the quote-unquote star people or extraterrestrials or advanced beings, they are the ones who are at the highest level of spirituality in their culture. So I was kind of put through that through a variety of different cultures. And so to basically discover that I had that same connection, which Makeda knew I always had that connection, but she was basically, because I was so young, having me learn it on my own. Well, this is in, it's incredible um, because I was thinking about the mechanism of this, and uh, I, it's it's like that slow awakening that we're talking about. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's incredible that you know it because, but you seem very advanced, even because uh, you're still young. 
and you're mm-hmm. very advanced in many ways. I mean, you're very accepting of other cultures, and you're more inclusive. You know, I'm not I'm not as inclusive. I wish I was because, you know, then I would feel like I was sort of with it, not so old. But anyway, I'm just saying, I, I just, you know, because, you know, I'm Greek Orthodox, and that's pretty ancient itself, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. so I kind of go along those lines. But even in that uh, cultural and religion, there's so much mysticism. Yeah. And uh, that's why I consider myself a Christian mystic, really, because a lot of the things I'm experiencing is not accepted in a traditional church, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not talking about just my church. I'm talking about any church. They won't accept it, except that when I was seeking help, this is a long time ago, because I've been going to Ciro for as long as it's been in existence, what, 21 years? Mm-hmm. And uh, bizarrely enough, the people over at Crystal Cathedral offered counseling, and I was the only one it went, and they gave me a battery of tests, a huge psychological test. And the only she said, then they read to me uh, their findings was that I was sane, and uh, I didn't really know about that, you know what I mean? But uh, I was sane, yet I was self-critical. And I think that hampers us, too. If we want, we're, we're striving for something, uh, we criticize ourselves to force ourselves to do be- better. Right or something like that, but it turned out that it was very beneficial, but then I always wondered, why did the Crystal Cathedral open up and, and invite right. me? I mean, I was really, it was free counseling, and I, you know, I always took advantage of any kind of stuff like that. Because you will, and you will keep an open mind when you're a seeker, because I consider you a seeker. You yes, will submit to, like, this kind of investigation. I did it intentionally. Because I want to know, what am I hiding or what is this, what is that? And they said, no, you're not crazy, And it, which was kind of astonishing to them because I was talking about alien abduction, remember? Mm-hmm. This was possibly 20 years ago or 19 years ago. So it wasn't, it was still a topic, but it wasn't uh, like what we're doing now, like a whole movement thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, it's 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 all connected. I even like you said, a seeker is the perfect way to describe it because I would even yeah. talk to people who were within the church as well. And one specifically who was a priest who I had just had a conversation with said that he felt that I was out of all the students and people that had come to him, he felt that I was the most connected to to the faith and the spirituality and I said, "But I'm not even I'm not I, I'm not part of your religion." You know, which is right. interesting. So um, it's there is a book called The Gods of Eden, and it kind of goes through all of, it's by William Bramley, and I say the author because when I recommend it, sometimes there's this other book called Gods of Eden, and this is The Gods of Eden by William Bramley. So it goes through all the religions and how they're all connected to basically these, you know, gods, extraterrestrials, you know, are they gods, are they extraterrestrials and whatnot, and it goes through all of history and all of the world. It's very, very interesting because a lot of faiths still, not not all of them, but a lot of them, um, specifically like the Native Americans, they believe that they're uh, they're talking to higher beings that would be considered what we call extraterrestrial because they're more advanced and they're in a, 
um, almost like a different realm where they can see things or it, it may even be misunderstood technology because if you go back a hundred, let's go back a thousand years and try to give our cell phone to somebody who has never seen anything like it and we can show them that with this simple phone we can access any information from our history, they're probably going to look at us and say that we're some sort of extraterrestrial, yeah. but we're not. We're them in the future. So is it possible that you know we're in contact with something higher but they just may have contact with something more advanced that we don't understand absolutely so but it's all connected and it's all i think what's interesting is when you read books like gods of eden and other authors do the same and they look at different religions faith and history it used to be that these advanced beings used to come in contact with the highest level of society which used to be the shaman or used to be the priest of specific people and of course now it would be the government heads, right? The royal the royals, the governments and so forth. And so it's interesting because it would make sense that these beings would go to the person who they think would influence that culture or that group of people the most. Yeah, that's uh that's that's true and um I I was I was really uh thinking of what kind of people that uh, uh, aliens, if you want to call them aliens or the other life or whatever, they're right. all, they're very much interested in artists, musicians, actors, yes. people that have EST, and it all yes. goes together in a strange way. And uh, it, it's a long adventure, you know. It seems to be take a long time to actually uh, figure this all out. But I think the the movie industry is actually uh, spelling it out to us in a yes. creative way, you know. Because uh, think of the movies, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and yes. uh, that one that, that scared me, the, the Day the Earth Stood Still. And, uh, you know, these are all people producing something that they believe in. And, uh, you know, some are, uh, you know, so close to the truth that it's it's, it's startling. You know, right. I, I unfortunately I live near a um, a uh, refinery, and when they're mm-hmm. moving the big machines, they play that that song from uh, Ghosts and Towers of the Third Kind. You know, really. The first time I heard it, I had a call. You know, my friend. I said, "What is going on over here? They're playing that that theme, that ET theme." <laughs> and she says, "Yeah, we've heard it before." And then they do this weird uh, siren, like from World War II, just after. Wow. So what is that all about? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the stupid place blows up, you know, and gas prices went up. This is all like a conspiracy to me. Because <laughs> I watched that place, and they better start working again. It looked like they had the lights on, you know, last night. But. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's uh, it's very odd how this is all going together, and then and uh, let's say uh, Steven Spielberg and that, that yes. beautiful uh, E.T. Uh, movie and the War mm-hmm. World War of the Worlds actually scares me. Mm-hmm. Something about that particular movie really bothered me because he did the re the remake of it. The old one bothered me, and the new one bothered me. Right. Yeah, there there's a weird vibe even to the the type of like the machines and the the way the aliens yeah. look cuz they're kind of machine like. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. 
What's interesting uh-huh. is that you say that they played that theme music from Encounters of the Third Kind because yeah. Steven Spielberg is known to ask for help from UFOologists, and he worked with Dr. Hynek, who was in Project Blue Book and was a part of that, later became a whistleblower exposing what he did for that. But he, he was advised by people in the field, and he based it on, on what he would consider true stories. It's not exact the exact story, but based on what he researched, as, you know, that's why he's this incredible film producer and director. So that would be natural. But what's interesting is that in that film, that became the chant for the spiritual people, for the swamis. They started chanting it and meditating with it. And that brings up an interesting point, because when you talk to certain tribes of Native Americans and they tell you where they learn their song, where they learn their dances, why they wear certain costumes, and why they wear feathers, it is because it was what kept them in contact with these beings. And they were specifically told. Their dance is actually very mathematical, and it was, they were told that if they wanted to see them and they would return, that they would do these dances and that they would wear these feathers. And so even to honor these beings, they would dress up the way that they would see them. And a lot of these costumes... The, like the Kachina costumes and from tribes all over the world, even in Africa. A lot of these costumes, when you look at them now, resemble what we would consider an astronaut costume. And these are the type of topics that they cover in Ancient Aliens and so forth. And so it's fascinating because, it's again, it's all connected. And so you will watch Hollywood movies and you'll see things like that to the average viewer, nobody would think twice, you know, oh, that's just a great sci-fi film. You know, oh, Steven Spielberg's amazing, you know, and he makes these great movies. But did you know Steven yeah. Spielberg actually based him on what he considered to be a true story? Even Extraterrestrial was based on the story of E.B. So, and that's because as doing the best that he could do as his job, he did the right research and went and tried to get as much information as possible so that he could make an incredible film. So there's a lot of truth in Hollywood. And it's also mixed in with a lot of fantasy and so forth. But it's also mm-hmm. mixed in with with these – it's almost like they're preparing us for the future, like you said. It's the exactly. theme – yeah, especially right now. Well, right now there's a lot of remakes of films, right? It makes us feel like we're still in the yeah, 90s no, no. because yeah. <laughs> it's like Mad Max and The Terminator and Poltergeist and all these films that we've already been through. But there's still a lot of films coming out about artificial intelligence, and The Terminator has always been one. But specifically, there's a film called Ex Machina, which I highly recommend. And then there's another film that was recently in theaters called Chappie. And what's interesting about these films is that they not only cover artificial intelligence and self-awareness, that these machines might become self-aware, but that they might possibly be sentient and that they may possibly have a soul. So it is very, very fascinating that we're now exploring these type of films and these type of ideas because they're very taboo, not just with people who are religious, but just within normal society. For us to be able to understand that could a machine, if we gave it a body, could a soul incarnate into it? It is against everything that we know, but who are we to say because we are not gods? So we now know that animals have souls. There was a time where people didn't understand that. We also now know, and science is saying, that plants might have souls and that they feel and that they understand and they receive energy and they're alive. So it's very fascinating to go through these themes and understand that because what will we know in 500 years? 
And it scares people, I think. It's very, very scary because people think, oh, no, is this the end of humanity? So I will play devil's advocate and say, not that I agree with it, because I, I don't want humanity to end, but what if this is just part of our evolution? And a lot of philosophers have explored this. Maybe we are, Maybe we will incarnate into machines because we want to live longer. So everything that we do as humans, if you notice, is we want to live longer. We try to keep our bodies and make ourselves healthier. And with modern medicine, we try to live longer so that we ourselves, our body is a better machine. But what if we were able to make a machine where we could actually live on and so live in? So that is, you know, it's all open to debate. It's all controversial. It goes against majority of people's faith and religion. I'm not a proponent of it, but it is fascinating to think about. It sure is. And uh, what you're talking about is that uh, AI uh, is that one of my favorite uh, movies. And there comes to a part where uh, this uh, little uh, android uh, was really felt love. And they had right. found a way for him to feel love. But he always wanted the love of his mother. And what they did is that they just happened to be, remember that little teddy bear had stashed a piece, a lock of her hair. Yes. And brought her back to life for one day. And how much he just wanted to love her. And he, he could have lived forever, but he passed away with his mom. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that it's going to take a big responsibility when that starts happening. You know, because now I have always believed that animals had souls. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've always known that. I did not know. I knew plants responded to people, mm-hmm. but I thought it was like a scientific, maybe they liked the carbon dioxide we breathe out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now they're saying that ant- plants even plan. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound freaky to people, but they plan, let's say, there's this one part where the leaves keep getting bit off because this little cat keeps coming by. They'll actually... Uh, you know, make a design so it'll go up higher so they can't be reached or something like that. They start planning. Mm-hmm. Did you did you read and about certain, that? Yes, and, and there's certain certain types of plants that are very reactive, like the Venus Venus flytrap. And then there's oh, other yeah. par, other types of cactus that if a predator comes nearby it actually spits out the spikes to protect itself. So we have to think what are we dealing with here? Just because it cannot move itself like a tree can't move from one end to the other, doesn't mean that they may not have a soul or that they're sentient or understand or, you know, we know that they are alive. So, again, it's things that we just don't understand. Yeah, um, uh, so the animals, now it's uh, all over the United States and it's creeping around the world, but it's a felony to harm an animal now. Yep. You know, and I'm glad. I'm glad because um, they treat them like things, you know. And they mm-hmm. actually, I tell this thing um, about a robot, and these men invented this robot that you can kick. And mm-hmm. I saw these dudes go around kicking this robot. I went, what the hell? They created this robot, and now they're kicking it for a joke? You know, I was, like, offended by that, even though the robot can't feel it. But I think our right. actions are, are mean more and our intention mean more, even if they couldn't feel it. Why exactly. are you doing it? You know, right. it's such a barbaric, uh, yeah, why, why, you know, the same thing with the animals. Let's say 
some animals are here for our food and things like that, but just treat them with respect, you know, and uh, there's a certain way to do things. I don't know. And when everything got mechanized, I guess the machine didn't care, but I think now that's reversing itself where, you know, you can look into the face of a cow, for instance, and know that there's a life in there, you know, Mm -hmm. and... uh, there's a big responsibility to this. This is the way I feel about it. And yeah. Finding out that the plants, the plants are plotting and everything else that, um, and they may be feeling and they they have uh, they have a brain, but I don't know where it is and stuff like that. I mean, you know what? We're really responsible for a lot. You know, yep. it's, it's it strikes me as uh, I'm awestruck by it. You know that we should treat all live. Okay, I don't. I have dreamt about this existence of where you treat everything as... I've had a lot of fantastic dreams. This dream was about thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. There used to be some perfect people here on this planet. They mm-hmm. treated everything with reverence. Um, like when you talk about perfection, mm-hmm. uh, they were carving a wood bowl, but the whole time they were praying and carving it and waxing it and beautiful but they did all these um, prayers with it, and the respecting the bowl became holy. And uh, we're just shoving them out, you know, fast as we can <laughs> through mechanisms and factories. Yeah. You know what I mean? So things are getting so detached, but the perfection comes in that love and prayer and intent you're putting into it, you know. And I, before that dream, I, I kind of, of course, if you're a seeker, you do know these things, but... I think the responsibility is coming even broader now, you know, yeah, that you can't I walk agree. around blind. Yeah. That dream sounds amazing. It, it reminds it, Oh, it was, it, you know, go ahead. It's kind of like Lemuria. I want to say it reminds me of Lemuria, but I, I haven't been to Lemuria. But if I had been to Lemuria, what I know of Lemuria, that would be what it is. Very similar to actually the Navi in Avatar, right? Where everything that yeah, they did was a conscious yeah. decision and I they respected Avatar, everything. Oh, I was in heaven. Really, when yes. I saw it, I said, okay, so in this dream, it also showed people that used to live here. You know, and mm-hmm. they were very accepting. It's not that they wouldn't uh, do war, they were warriors. You know, people went to them to uh, get help on how to, uh, for strategy of, of some kind of war or whatever, but they weren't warlike. They were into love. They actually could heal and raise the recent dead. I mean, this is a really intense dream. I've read, it's in my book, uh, but uh, that I, I may never, I might, yeah, well, I will publish soon. But anyway, <laughs> I just went through that whole filter. But anyway, uh, and it's in there, and it's these people look so peculiar, but the this tribe of people... Um, welcomed them in, and they had these big, long heads. So when the first time I saw those skulls, I just thought, I don't know if you remember, I think I we were passing in the pictures around because one of our group members went down there and saw the skulls in person. Remember that day? Yes. Yeah. So when I looked at them, I had to actually do a double take, and I did not know if they were real or not. Could this be real? And they said it was real. And that's what they looked like in my dream, you know. But they had, okay, so you have these really tall heads, right? And when you walk, the hair on the top flops, so they look kind of odd, alive. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was in the dream. But the reason why we don't know about these people 
is because we just forgot about them. Yeah. And their name, their name was we forgot. You got you guys forgot that's their name. Wow. I know. And and, uh, and the responsibility, and that's what's the controversial piece. You mentioned the responsibility yes. is that we're just spitting stuff out, machines, not understanding that. Wait a second. What if it ends up with a soul? We we're just creating things that we don't we don't understand, and we're playing God, and we're cloning, and we're doing all these things. And in Chappie, there's a moment in that film where Chappie realizes Chappie is the name of the artificial intelligence. He's the robot, and it, t- it takes place in the future where we actually have kind of like Robocop police cops, and Chappie is one of them. And the one of the the stu- one of the not students but one of the employees actually starts doing experiments to see if he can make a sentient type being or a type mm-hmm. robot and so he finally after spending all this time discovers discovers it and he takes one of the robots from his work and he puts the program in and so here comes this sentient be a sentient computer or robot or whatever it is and his name is Chappie. And so Chappie, because he's advanced and he's a computer, realizes that his compu- he, when he runs out of battery, he's dead. So he confronts who he considers his father or his master, his creator, and he says to him, why did you create me so that I would die, basically, be destroyed? I'm, I have an end. Why did you create me? Why did you do this to me? And he says to him, because I didn't know that you would be real. I didn't know that you would have a consciousness. So that's the the irresponsibility is that we are just creating yeah. these things. And what if it has a consciousness? You know, it's the way that we treat animals badly because we don't understand that mm-hmm. they have a consciousness and so forth. So now here we go with machines and, and then what? And then they become smart enough to understand that they have an end. Well, why did you make me if I have an end? So that's what's very interesting about that film because wow. we do have a responsibility. And... You know, and and I think that same thing happens with clones. There's a film, and I always bring this up, but The Island, for those who have not seen The Island, it's the same thing where we create clones to help us in the future, whether we need an organ or whatnot, but the clones mm-hmm. actually have souls. And we didn't count on the clones having souls because, again, it was irresponsible on the humans at, at that time to understand that, oh, well, clones don't have souls because they're just clones. But then the clones discover their clones, and they're like, why did you create me? I have a soul. So, again, that's that irresponsibility. Oh, my God. You know, it's uh, there's so much to uh, try to grasp about this, and I have thought about that, and that um, does that mean, okay, because they're having success in cloning, let's say, an ear or a body yeah. part or something like that out of people's own tissues. Um mm-hmm. I I kind of agree with oh, okay, that's that's really cool. But the ones that are actually messing with ancient DNA, putting it in the new animals and stuff like that, it's kinda of, remember the that horrible movie, The Island of Doctor Moreau with Ray yes. Land? It's mm-hmm. a disgusting movie, but it makes me feel like is that what people are gonna do? Yeah, you know, and then there's the question, has or... that already been done to us? There's all those theories that that's what created the human race, that the, either the Anunnaki or different species of ETs, that's how we were created. Is that who we really are? Did they not count on us having souls, and now here we are populating the Earth, and we have souls? So 
it's all there's a new film coming out with Ryan Reynolds and it's called Selfless and I recommend people watch it. I'll go watch it as soon as it comes out, but it's basically about how in the future Again, going back to we're trying to keep our bodies as healthy as possible so we can live as long as possible. Well, in the future, in this film, they are able to purchase another body, kind of like a, you know, you're not donating your organs, but you donate your body. So here's a body that gets donated and they keep it alive and they can actually, when you get old, if you're wealthy enough, you can purchase this body. So in the film, a wealthy person purchases their body because their body's failing them and they have a disease, and so then they go and they transfer the soul into this other body. So obviously this is going to be a very complicated type of movie and process. I'm sure cell mm-hmm. memory is going to come into play, and it's going to be you know, very interesting, but it's like here we go again. Like what are, you, what are we doing? We're going to transfer souls? And then there are people who are, will already argue and say that soul transfer has already happened, that our government has experimented with it, that it happens, things like even transferring souls, like in the movie Avatar, where he goes into an avatar. There are whistleblowers who have come out and said that we already do that. So it's... How? Yeah. That I well, I don't know. In Avatar, Avatar they did it because of the mother tree, and that makes sense. Yeah. But how would they do that with a machine? Like, what are they? How I have no. Can I they have direct no, the soul. You know, I I don't. I have me personally no idea. Uh, people who are interested in that, I would recommend they look into uh, Carrie Cassidy and Project Camelot's work because she has people who are whistleblowers who have worked in top secret projects that can speak on that. I don't think they go into detail as to how, but they go into detail as mm-hmm. into this is the type of work that they were a part of. And they want, they think people should know, and so they become whistleblowers and they talk about it. Right. I mean, and I there's do believe even been even whistleblowing. Yeah. I really do because they can only kill you once. And I think that <laughs> we should, if we have information, I've told myself that. Okay, if this came down, this came down because I guess I am part of the M Lab crew too, which I didn't yeah. know. But uh, <laughs> anyway. I'm kind of glad I don't know half of this stuff because, you know, I'd be in more shock than I already am. But uh, there, this must be a quantum level thing, that, meaning they're somehow able to manipulate uh, quantum physics, you know, and how dimensional things. Or right. why would they even be able to touch a soul? And then their responsibility is huge because uh, you're entering into a realm uh, who knows what you're creating and uh, I don't know. What kind of people would do that? Like, what do you think about them personally? It is really hard to say. I'm, I don't really, I'm not, I'm a very understanding person, just me personally. Yeah. And I try, I don't really judge. I understand all sides, really. I, I understand where it is not, we have a responsibility and it's not right. It's probably not a part of what people would consider the original plan. I agree with that. But then mm-hmm. if we understood or could have the capability of understanding the side of the people who are doing it, a lot of people will just dismiss it and say, oh, well, it's because they're evil and all they care about is money. Well, what if they're? what if it's not? What if they know that in 500 years, we no longer have an earth or we no longer are a species and their motivation is to actually ensure that we continue, but we just don't have that comprehension. So I kind of, if, you know, if that's the motive, I kind of understand that. And 
a lot of times they just won't share those motives because they don't think it's important for us to know. They don't want to disrupt the moment in time now. Um, but, again, there's also a lot of evil out there, as we know. I mean, look at the state of the world. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to say. Yeah, it is hard to say. And uh, what I'm thinking, though, is because we do have a lot of people on the planet, and I don't I don't get doing something um, when we have so many people. Why create clones? Why? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why do this stuff when there's there's not a practical use right now for it? But, right. Because um, we do have a lot of people on this earth, so why would we need soul exchanges? Even though it, it does seem to happen naturally, because people do talk about walk-ins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they got here because that person died and then they walked in. Yes. Well, that's exactly it. You know, I think I said it the last time I was on your show, but I trained to become a, be an exorcist. And that was just another, mm-hmm. happened to be on the, the spiritual path. Uh, we don't really call it exorcism. It's, we call them discar- discarnate entities. And, and I work with Von Slotten, who is a uh, doctor and an expert in the field. I'm very credible. And I I was referred to him by what, a friend, and the reason his name again? Jared what's Von Slotten, Doctor Jared okay. Von Slotten, and okay. I was referred to him by somebody in Ciro. And the reason I went to him is because one of the you know there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism about what we do or what we know or what we're into, and a lot of people tend to take their judgment against us will be well you've somehow invited demons or entities into your life and that's why you're having these experiences so okay i want to know for sure then you know so i went to an expert and i studied and became an exorcist so that if that was really happening (laughs) i could get rid of it um and i think that's the (laughs) i think the other thing is that um people when i tell them again i always take the professional side i don't tell them that i have a spiritual side and that probably wouldn't happen because of the spiritual upbringing that i do have but also that a lot of spiritual people were in contact with the gods, extraterrestrials, beings, etc. So that really doesn't fly for me that it's all demons and bad juju and energy and stuff like that. But I did it anyway, so I studied it. And it's very, very interesting um, because that is exactly what they say in that study. And when you study that is that in order for them to walk in, the soul that person actually has to die. Now... Um, not when it comes to to discarnate entities, but in order for an ET soul to walk in, the actual person has to die. And the way they came to this realization is by actually doing tons of studies, thousands and thousands of cases of children who maybe had a near-death experience, very young ages, either they got hit by a car, fell off a bike. I mean, there's a million ways people can pass at a very young age by accident. And what will happen is the child who was in that body, whoever comes in, it's a completely different person. They don't, you can't even call them the same name. They want to be called somebody else. They act differently. And then the parents would say, you know what, it's not my child anymore. There's no, something happened. And so Von Slotten, being a doctor and also a hypnotherapist, would put some of these people under and they would say unconsciously that they had been walk-ins and so forth. And also people who had attachments, who had people that were mm-hmm. discarnate entities attached to them. People might call them demons or ghosts or whatever they call them. Um, and he would put people under hypnosis. And these 
these spirits or beings would actually speak for the person and the person would verify. So a lot of research has gone into this that field. A lot of um, professional people in that field, doctors, psychiatrists, and so forth. So all of that stuff is really real, which... If you thought you couldn't surprise me, I mean, I thought I, I, I thought that you, when I first studied the exorcism piece, I didn't think that there was anything left to surprise me because of zero and aliens and UFOs. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Von Slotten and I thought, oh, wow, now you just blew my mind. And I didn't think anybody could do that, especially because yeah. there's so much research and back up to their information. So anyone can look him up online. He's a, he's, very well known in his field. You can go to his website. He also teaches um, courses, and then he also has meetings, just like Ciro has meetings for people who are interested in the topics. Very cool. Fascinating. I want to go to one. Yes. It is fascinating, and I'm having a Ron, I don't know how he pronounces F E Y L, and he's an exorcist. He's going to come on in a couple of weeks. And uh, because I have a little bit of fear connected with this whole thing, and uh, now I have a go-to person <laughs> <laughs> for my exorcism needs. <laughs> so I deal with you, sir, for a minute. But anyway, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a fabulous, fascinating uh, life you lead, Yes. Um, Thank you. You're just out there and doing it and just, I'm just so happy for you because you're really uh, living a big life, you know. And my my son lives a life like yours. And it's big, it's oh. out there. He's very transparent. And uh, it's just uh, just lovely to watch, you know. It's uh, incredible, really. And mm-hmm. uh, we are very close in the birthdays, too. I think we're only a day difference in our birthday, yeah. except for the year. But, um, you know, there's a reason for all of this, even for us, yes. us meeting to this whole thing. And it feels really good and it feels solid because, uh, you know, when you're wandering around looking for somebody that speaks your language, you know, it's uh, and you're out there by yourself, you know, I had to really stick my neck out, meaning uh, I actually wrote a letter to Harvard because I was having yes. all these weird alien experiences. and. And thank God I did, because Dr. Mack turned me on to uh, Yvonne Smith, and uh, it's opened up a whole new world of people that are true friends that understand what you're talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it's, uh, it's strange, because I, I think of, you know, how many of us have had many challenges, but I think that uh, with that, you know, that's our, our uh, boost to grow or whatever, you know, because sometimes it's going to hurt just before you make that next leap, you know, because I'm kind of in that spot right now, but I've watched other people. Some people don't make it, you know, because you have that dear uh-huh. friend, you know, she's gone. I can't even believe she's gone. I think about her all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, how in the hell did she disappear off the earth? I don't know. You know. Yeah, it, and Johnny Mac, I mean, talk about a pioneer. Oh, John Mac. Yeah, think. God for him because Thank God. I mean he yeah and have you have, have you seen Intruders right yeah but I need to watch it again because there's some kind of amnesia I have with watching Intruders <laughs> <laughs> I have some kind of weird reaction to that so go ahead tell me about it okay well I you know Yvonne had said okay so it's based on Bud Hopkins work and John Mack's work and and it's based on a few stories of people who've had experiences. 
one particular, uh, Debbie, who actually spoke at our last Zero event with mm-hmm. Travis Walton and with Tracy Torme, who's the producer, who it was who did all the research. Again, like Steven Spielberg did all the research and tried to make it as real as possible. And what's interesting is that Yvonne said, you have to watch this movie. She brought it up in Zero. And it, it's been a long time since it was a TV miniseries, but you can find it on YouTube. It's called Intruders. And Yvonne brought it up and said, oh, a lot of my patients watch this film and say that they identify with it. So that was enough for me. I had to watch it. I watched mm-hmm. it, and, and exactly like Debbie, like I had the exact same experiences. In fact, word for word, there is one one actual experience that she had, and word for word, I have the same experience. The extraterrestrial, the location where she's at, the extraterrestrial that speaks to her, looks the same, tells me the same thing. I'm like, what is this, a program? So I, I was so excited to mm-hmm. to meet her in person and to tell her. And she said when she spoke that the reason that she spoke was because she had seen somebody else and they had shared a similar story she had seen somewhere. Again, during her time, it was very, very quiet about this type of stuff. Not a lot of people were talking about it. But she had heard about somebody else and she decided, well, then it is happening to me because that happened to that person. And so I said, oh, Debbie, I have to tell you that when I saw intruders and you said that, it's word for word, it's the same thing that happened to me, and you're one of the reasons that I talk now because I know because of you I'm not crazy because the same thing right. happened to me. So that's why, you know, I set out to talk about this stuff, and that's why me and Rachel decided when we did that we're going to mm-hmm. just keep talking, even if we get in trouble, because there are people out there who really need to hear it. They need to understand that, that whatever's happening to them, whatever it is, it's real, and they're not alone, and it's okay. The last thing that we would ever want is that anyone get depressed about it. There's people, again, I've said it before, they commit suicide. I mean, how sad, yeah. because they think they're going crazy when this is a real thing that is happening. Yeah. I know, because we have lost, like, three or four people. Uh, yeah. Uh, friends that I've known, like Scotty and... Uh, I just can't believe he's gone. And these people have committed suicide like four in the last month, really. Yeah. And uh, just I know how they feel, except that I do feel that it's your life. Actually, is almost like it's not yours to take. You know, you right. have a, we all have a purpose here. And uh, if you cut yourself off, like, especially uh, this, is, this is my feeling about uh, suicide and everything. And there is a suicide hotline. And uh, I have been saying it almost, I've been saying it on Sunday, if I don't say it, on uh, the, the 800 number still works is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, uh, the, on the suicide, uh, you're really hurting people really badly. But on the other yeah. hand, other people are going to forget about you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, who was that, a handsome actor, uh and he killed himself. You know, they're forgetting about him already. I'm not, yeah. but I know that he's not out in the media as much. Uh, what's his name? I'm not talking about Rob. Well, the young, good-looking actor that was in, uh, oh, God. I don't know. He's was in it something. He's he played Joker. Yeah, yeah he's Ledger. But I don't yeah. see people really talking about him like they were. I mean, he was, like, real hot and heavy, and then he did that, and now I don't really see it much. I think of all of them. 
you know, but they kind of start disappearing. So if nobody knows you, man, they're going to stop thinking about you. When your mom goes, you know, people will just say, you know, well, there's another one bites the dust. So I think people should outlive, just screw everybody and just live, you know. There was actually, since you bring up Heath Ledger, and yes, I agree with you, Bob Marley says stay alive. He says that is the best yes. thing you can do to your oppressors. <laughs> Yay! Um, I love that. <laughs> I do. Um, Stay alive. Yes, yes, I love Bob Marley. See, a lot of people. Okay, so a lot. Oh, don't let me forget about Heath Ledger. But a lot of people underestimate Bob Marley. Now they know he's this international reggae superstar, and they know he's famous from you know from all of his work and touring and everything. He's a great musician, but they usually associate him with you know what. I never associated him with that because you actually need to pay attention to his lyrics, his history, and how he impacted the world. I mean, this man led revolution, and I mean, huge impact on the world. And he was he um, he wrote a song. I don't know if you know this. He wrote a song for Rhodesia when they declared their independence, and he wrote a song called Zimbabwe, which means African liberation, and they called themselves Zimbabwe. That's why they they're that that's how powerful this man was. He uh, inspired again revolutions. He took political sides in Jamaica. He put Jamaica on the map. I mean, just incredible. But back to Heath Ledger, before I forget, because he did this yeah. film right before he passed. I don't know if you saw it. It is a very strange film. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is diving into a lot I of know the occult. I yes. know what you mean. Is it the one with the clown thing and all the audience yes. and the? Yeah. Yes, it's called the Imaginarium of Doctor Par- Parnassus. Par- I, I don't know if I'm saying yeah. it correctly, but he, um, there were other actors who came in to actually finish some of his scenes. So it, the the film watching it gets even weirder because then you think you're watching his ledger, and then here comes Johnny Depp, and then here comes somebody else, and so you're It's and it's a really strange, strange film. But it's all diving into the occult, magic. I mean, if anyone who's into that, all the signs are there. So it's interesting because they say that he really dove into that. And then that's, you know, this it's just spiraled downward. So I wonder what he tapped into. And I don't what really, know, you know. But, uh, okay, so I used to do extra work for movies, right? And mm-hmm. I had a weird superstition that I made up myself, uh, just being doing it. There were certain things and scenes I wouldn't do. And yeah. uh, one was that they wanted me in a straitjacket for a mental asylum. You know, it was like a horror movie. But I would wow. not do it. I just felt like, not only my claustrophobic, but I felt like it was bad to do. Right. You can't go ahead and do everything. You know, another one right. was another horrible B movie, but it was about cannibals. And... Uh, you're supposed to go through and get these body parts. I said, I'm sorry I can't do that. You know what I mean? So uh, I just felt like some things I don't want to be associated with because I know they're going to put it on film. Once it's on film, it's forever. You know what I mean? Like it or not. And there's that magical quality to Hollywood. Exactly. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh you know, and actually, I was getting a lot of work, and I and I started getting afraid, you know, because I was mm-hmm. just new into recovery, too. So I was only oh, probably two, three years uh, sober. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, one time I was uh, filming another end-of-the-world thing, and uh, after everything was done filming, this cameraman 
kind of crooked his finger at me, like, come here. And I could swear I saw, like, green fog coming towards me. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. Have you seen I know what you're talking fog? about. Yes. They have to, can't. They can't. Yes. Don't know. I can't even believe I said it. Anyway, yeah, so it. have you seen it? So yeah, it kind it's of almost, goes along the ground. Yeah. And it curls. It's like smoke. And it was coming yeah, for me. Yeah, it's almost like auras, but it's coming out. Yeah. 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 It's like an aura. And when it was, he was sending it out, and I felt the draw. You know what I mean? Almost like mm-hmm. the promise of something. And then I remember what I thought was so hilarious was my reaction is that I turned on my heel and I literally ran. I I didn't even act like a lady. I actually ran like I was seven years old. I ran screaming out of there. (laughs) That guy, I just, uh, the look on his face. (laughs) But I ran out of there and I ran to a, I came all the way back down uh, the South Bay and I went into a meeting, and I told them, I said, you are yourself no matter where you are, and you're responsible. Right. It doesn't matter where you are. You still are you, meaning you can move, you can go, you can go high up into the shamans of the wealthy, but you're still you, and you have certain responsibilities. Yeah. You know, and don't be pulled like a, a bull with a ring in your nose off in these terrible directions, you know, and right. that's what was going to happen. But I could, But it was palpable. I saw it. And uh, I just never thought anybody else would see that. I just thought it was me. <laughs> I, More I of my crazy nerves. I thought I was nervous. That's what I explained it to myself. Oh, you're just real nervous. But it made me run. Yeah, and, you know, Hollywood, the magical quality about Hollywood in certain films, a lot of people don't may or may not be aware that, you know, Hollywood isn't called Hollywood because we have holly trees. There are no holly trees here. But holly tree mm. is the bark of wood that magicians use when they cast spells. So there's a very magical quality to Hollywood and us being the throat chakra of the world. I don't know if you knew this. Mm. But everything that we put out basically kind of becomes the norm for the rest of the world, right? We very much influence this country and we influence True. through media and entertainment the entire world. We're the capital of entertainment. So... It is very powerful to accept certain roles and accept certain, and so that's you know you watch these actors and their lives change and you know they die young if something happens and so it's 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 very all intertwined and it, it's kind of scary. It is scary, and I have felt it, you know, and I found I stopped doing it, but because uh, I could, I guess it was either uh, I was thinking I'm just too. Back then, I was just uh, too new, you know what I mean, and the whole thing mm-hmm. that I would be susceptible to something. And it, it happened to me a lot because um, I was real cute in the day, and uh, <laughs> it happened to me actually at a B.B. King Hall concert. That, oh. uh, I know, it was weird that what happened was with B.B. King, James Brown, Michael Jackson showed up and Prince showed up. I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was at the wow. Beverly Theater. But I, you know, B.B. Uh, King was a perfect gentleman. But just to think all those people are past now except for Prince, it's really odd to me. Wow. You know, that uh, I did see them all. And, but anyway, uh, so I was shaking hands with the, uh, the, the keyboard guy. And because mm-hmm. I said, you know, the, the, I shook hands with everybody, then they went off, and then I shook hands with the keyboard guy. He wouldn't let go of my hand. 
He said, come backstage. We're having a party with James Brown and blah, 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 blah. Wow. And I was looking at him, and he wouldn't let go of my hand. So I slipped a little and fell back because I felt like I can't go back there. You know, mm-hmm. and I lost my purse under the stage. So I had to wait till the whole dang concert was over to, for the men to go down there and get my purse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's on YouTube. It really happened. <laughs> so you can see it. <laughs> what reminded wow. me is that, that you know how Facebook is doing, uh, you have uh, something with somebody in the past and they're playing your old stuff back? Yes, And that's yes. what showed up is me at that oh, concert. Oh, that's funny. I, yeah, I was a lot thinner and blonde, so I was in my cute <laughs> days. But anyway, but there's a price to pay. I could feel that there's a price to pay. Unless you're the director on top or something like that, you can be really uh, manipulated. I'm yeah. sure if it, grinds up, if it grinds up somebody like Heath Ledger, you know what I mean, and other yeah. people like him and Judy Garland and all these people uh, and, and uh, comedians have another uh, same issue. You know. Yeah, a lot of them have come out to talk about it. Even Prince became a whistleblower and started talking about chemtrails. You can find videos about him talking You're even kidding. on like, late night shows. Yeah, you can find that on YouTube too. And he and publicly cool. he starts talking about chemtrails and and the effects and how they're not healthy. And it's interesting because you kind of have that same background that I do, where I you know yeah. you're. You just end up at some show with BB King, and I'm over here doing some concert production. Yeah, with some, it's really you know, odd. like <laughs> yeah, because it's we're really we're kind of connected. Right. Yeah, we're kind it's of connected. True. I've and done a lot of things. We're connected, and these things are going on. You know, and I'll probably start causing trouble in the future when I start feeling better. You know, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I'll be doing stuff. I'll be out there. You know, but I'll just try to. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to having more fun, I guess. Yeah. So You know, uh, I I don't think I've ever told you, but um, maybe I have. Maybe I just haven't said it on a show of how I met Giorgio, the producer of Yeah, Man, I want to know, because he's, he's Greek and I'm Greek. I'm really interested <laughs> in how that happened. <laughs> well, it was actually at a concert. That's why this is so, so funny. Really? Because, yeah, so I was watching Ancient Aliens, and I was, I was watching a marathon or something. I mean, they're always on. And this is years ago. And, you know, Giorgio is so passionate when he speaks. I mean, he really loves what he's doing. And so I was just watching him and his passion. I was like, this man, I need to meet this man. And so I, with everything that I had in my soul, I will never forget. I posted on Twitter. I posted on Facebook. And I, and I, I even sent it to him because, you know, he's on Twitter. And I said, I need to meet Mm -hmm. you. Well, I'm not even kidding you. Three days later, three days later, I run into him at a Muse concert. Do you know who Muse is? I've heard of it, but uh, I don't know. No. Okay, so they're a rock band, and they um, their music is a lot of the music that they use. I mean, they talk about a variety of different topics, which include extraterrestrials, exopolitics, um, MK Ultra, the banking systems, everything. They're pretty open with their music, but they also, when you listen to their music, they use a lot of keyboards and sounds that sound like UFOs and alien-type themes. So it's very, very cool music. So it was interesting to run into Giorgio at this concert, and it, I was just like, 
I've met so many celebrities because, you know, I've worked in Hollywood and I've done red carpets and I've done all kinds of different events, Grammys, music awards, everything. But here I am because three days prior I had just said that I wanted to be Giorgio and there's Giorgio and I was completely starstruck, like if he was the biggest celebrity on the planet. And I literally, <laughs> at first I froze because I couldn't believe it. Like I just said I we wanted to meet this man and there he is over there. And so my cousin was with me. He's like, come on, you got to go meet him. You got to go meet him. And I froze, you know. That was my first yeah, my first reaction. Starstruck and frozen. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and gets Giorgio, and Giorgio's, like, waving at me, like, so excited because somebody recognized him. Now, this is at the <laughs> beginning of Ancient Aliens when he wasn't that popular. So then yeah. I run over there, and I swear to you, I jumped like a panther or something into his arms, and I was so excited, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to meet you. It was very embarrassing. But he digged it because it's Giorgio. <laughs> He loved it, and he loves to tell the story of how I was completely starstruck when I first met him. But anyway, so so that's how I met him, and he was the one who was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you watch my show, and you're into it, and tell me what you do. And he was very, very excited that I was excited. And then we became friends online, and that's when I started to see, oh, he's speaking over here. He's going to Conscious Life Expo. He's doing this. So that led me to going to this, you know, the, the the lecture circuits and even opened my mind even more to all of this. So it's almost like it had to happen, but I also kind yeah. of made it happen, you know, because I wanted to meet him so bad. And so, I mean, the reason why I'm on this show right now is probably because of that huge, that catapulted me. And it's so strange. I, I that it's so, It is strange. And uh, he has such a, a lust for living. And yes. you could just tell he's just uh, shiny or something. <laughs> he's just, and now he's going to be at uh, the desert thing. Are you going out yes, there? Yes, I sure am. I will be there um, next weekend, and I will also be there with Cyril. Cyril will have a table there. Yvonne Smith will have a table. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, Giorgio's speaking, Eric Von Donegan speaking, uh, Mike Barra, Jason Martell, um, Laura Kathy Eisenhower. Martin. I mean, huh? Kathy Martin. Yes. Kathy, well, there's yeah, astronauts Kathy. speaking too. They have several yeah, astronauts cool. speaking this year. Um, you know what? I don't have the names in front of me right now, but I mean, going onto their website, one, they'll have yeah the schedule. And also, one of my friends, Big Buy. I don't know if you've ever heard about him. Very uh, interesting and in other synchronicity there, but Big Buy has a film that he's in called Packing for Mars that's actually coming out that Saturday that I'm going to definitely check out. But, you know, I told you about Makeda. Big Bai was mm-hmm. actually a Dogon initiate, if you're familiar with the Dogon. He no longer does that work, but he was at the time. And the Dogon are a tribe in um, Africa, in the west part, and they actually were the tribe that, we found the cave paintings that showed the entire solar system before we knew that the solar system looked like that. And they claimed mm-hmm. to be descendants of, you know, a planet out there, a star out there. And so very, very interesting, that tribe, and very, very interesting, big by incredible being. But when I first met him, it was at Conscious Life Expo, and as soon as I saw him, I we were at a party, an after party of, you know, because all the events have after parties and everyone who goes knows about them. So we're at an after party. I go sit down next to him. I looked at him and I said, you got to know Makeda Dread. 
And he laughed and he said, why do you say that? And I said, because you just have to know Makeda. Like, Makeda knows everybody who's spiritual. And he lo- uh-huh. he's a very spiritual man. He he dresses very, you know, he has this look to him. And, and I just knew, you know, this guy's a spiritual man and he, he knows Makeda. And he laughed and he said, well, as a matter of fact, I actually work at the World Beat Center right now. He was actually working with Makeda at that very moment on a oh program. Oh, my God. Yes. So, That's a synchronicity. It's awesome. Yes, yes. So then we became friends, and he works on amazing projects, works with children. And so he's going to be in this film packing for Mars, which looks very interesting for Saturday. And, I mean, Contact in the Desert is a great event. I don't like camping, yeah. believe it or not. <laughs> so um, I won't be camping there over the weekend, but I will be there. I, oh, okay. For so- sure. Look, I'll give you. The, I'll give everybody the contact again. It's contact in the desert, and the phone number is seven six zero three six five eight three seven one. So I've got the little flyer here. It says Nick Redfern, Richard Dolan, uh, Stanton Friedman, Nick Pope, uh, uh, Lori Eisenhower, Jim Mars, mm-hmm. uh, the astronaut. I can't even see his name. Is that McGuire? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and your friend, uh, Eric Von Dennegan? My friend. And uh, George, oh. yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, George Nori. <laughs> I thought you knew him. I do know, but I, so is Eric, to me, is like what the president would be to somebody who who is normal, I, I guess. I too. Normal. That's what. <laughs> yeah. So like to call him a, are... a friend, I kind of see him like um, he's on this platform, you know, like, He's untouchable. It's like a more mentor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, to other people, they could care less. And but certain people are superstars among us. You right. Know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and but other people don't even know what we're talking about. But that's all right. Right. Anyway, Eric is, fa- Eric is fascinating there. to watch. Yeah. Yeah, because I haven't really uh, followed him yet. I was trying to talk to him, but I just can't get to the right thing. But I will eventually. But, uh uh, tell us a little bit about him because, you know, he's a fascinating figure in all this. You know, I, when I went to see him speak, I didn't think that he could blow my mind anymore. It, it, this always happens, I think. You know, you get to the point where, yeah. like, I've heard everything. This is it, right? So yeah, I thought, well, I already know everything about ancient alien theory, you know, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. What else is there? What other evidence could come through? We've explored everything. Well, we really haven't, but... So I yeah. think I know everything. So, but I go to see Eric Von Donigan because it's Eric Von Donigan, and yeah. I see him speak. I saw him speak twice last year at Contact of the Desert, and I think he had two or three lectures. And in the second lecture I saw him speak, he blew my mind. Um, not a lot of people might be aware, but he actually consulted NASA. So he is very connected and very intertwined, and the work that he has done is incredible. He actually started in the field because he was translating Bibles. He was only a teenager, and he speaks several different languages, and he was translating them from different languages, and he came across stories that he felt were explaining things that could not be explained. So stories Mm -hmm. like Ezekiel and um, the Book of Enoch and so forth. And so he brought these to the person he was working with, the higher person in the church, and they said, oh, you know, and... He was reading through the, 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 the normal text of the Bible, and that's when they recommended to him you should read the book of Enoch. And so then he read the book of Enoch, and he was like, oh, what are we dealing with here? This is something bigger. So that's actually mm-hmm. what he what started his ancient astronaut theory. 
and he ex- he's explored several things. What's fascinating about him is, and and for all the naysayers, because a lot there's a lot of criticism on Eric. Again, this is a very very tough field because yeah. we don't know a lot, and so people like to point out more what we don't know than anything. So right. it's interesting because Eric doesn't always Eric questions a lot, and in Chariots of the Gods, he has all these questions. What is this? You know, it could be this. What is it? But um, people sit, will actually accuse him of, well, he said this. Well, no, he questioned that. And we have every right to question yeah. that because we don't have an answer for that. So I think he people misunderstand him, and they really need to listen to him with an open mind because he will blow your mind. But also I think people in general have a very bad misunderstanding of Ancient Aliens, the show in general. People think that the, a lot of people that I come across who will say, oh, I've watched ancient aliens that one time well did you know it's a series did you know they're on their eighth season it's not just one show one episode one documentary right um they also misquote giorgio i can't even tell you how many times especially with those memes that go around the internet i know (laughs) where they say yes i'm in some of those by the way which is kind of funny but on another note he doesn't say half the things that those memes say but then people will assume they often tell him, oh, you're the guy who says that the aliens built the pyramids. He has never said that. So I think that there's a lot of, there's more misunderstandings out there. So people should just really, you know, really look into it, do their research, and watch Ancient Aliens with an open mind. Ancient Aliens doesn't always have answers. They have more questions, and they take different viewpoints. And Giorgio doesn't agree with everything that they, they have on there. He's a consulting producer, but... He doesn't have control of 100% of everything that goes on the show, and I think that's the misunderstanding. So they'll watch the show. They'll see different viewpoints. They'll think that, oh, this is what Giorgio thinks or this is what Eric Von Donegan thinks, and no, you don't know what they think until you've actually researched their specific work. And Eric Von Donegan has volumes and volumes of books that people should read or just even go see him in one lecture to understand where he's coming from. Fascinating and fascinating that this man is so advanced that he could take Bibles and translate them and say, wait a second, that doesn't look right, that sounds like something else. And here we have a whole other theory and another, a whole other way of looking at things. So it's very, very fascinating. He consulted with NASA. Um, they t- NASA took the actual the uh, measurements that were given in the Book of Enoch um, because they were actual measurements that were given <clears throat> And so he gave it to NASA, and NASA actually took those measurements, and they experimented with them. And they used the different translations, and they tried to come up with something. And lo and behold, those measurements turned into what the Mars rover is. I don't know if you knew that. So oh, I didn't that, know that. Yes. So Eric Von Donegan says, he says, my, my point isn't that I found measurements that NASA could translate, and eventually it turned into something that we use. He said, my point is this. It took thousands of years for an encounter with a human being and an advanced being to come together. This being gave the instructions to something that would turn into something in the future. And this is thousands of years ago. And so he says, what my point is, is that if you are a contactee and you think that you're in contact with something that is greater than you, you need to write it down. You need to share it. And you need to talk to people because you might be giving the clues to the next thousands of years in the future and we might use that for something in the future so it, he blew my mind i was fast i was like whoa what it, wow wow so i don't know what else to say because 
Uh, well, it's just <laughs> I, uh, you know, you well, you got an amazing point there because uh, I think that we have found a supportive enough group that we could spring out from there and just be yourself and talk and you know because we're all attracting certain people. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. for some reason, like, the kinship that we have, I have it with Christopher Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. He's like my brother from another mother. I mean, we have wow. uh, uh, we have a... Uh, connection. A certain connection, and, uh, you know, he really is. He's like my long-lost brother. And uh, I don't know, know how that happened, but uh, I didn't know him, and then we started talking... And, uh, you know, he's just an amazing guy, and he's gone through a lot, and he had to suffer a lot of people saying he's a liar. They're still saying he's a liar. I can't even believe it. With all the wow. documentation he has and his family, you know what I mean, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're still not believing him, but his they're making a movie about his story. Well, that's great. And it's involved with the... Because he has a religious component, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so the Vatican's in on it and everything. I mean, really, it's really well. kind of taking on an interesting, you know, big thing. So I uh, wish him luck. But it, what happened with him is the same thing. A uh, former hunter turns gardener. Mm-hmm. You know, how we change and we start being concerned with what's going on, you know. And he, he, he grows enough for everybody in the whole community, too. He brings stuff to people and... It just, and he's now an artist, and, you know, how does this stuff happen? It's just, uh, you know, it's it's like we're finding our family. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to say it, you know. Well, I told you we're all probably related. I know. They say we, <laughs> we, right. they say we incarnate in groups, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, hmm. They do really? say that in, in the... Um, those who study reincarnation and who, yeah, dive into that, that's what they say, that we tend to travel in groups or that we stay within yeah. the same families. Um, a lot of it is karmatic. You know, you 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 may not have a good relationship with somebody in one life, but then you fix it in the next life. Sometimes you marry that person to understand the different side and bond. and And that's what they say. Okay, that's yeah. uh, true. So... Uh, we only have like ten minutes left. Uh, wow! What do you want? I know, and I really, um, you know what? I know. What you know? I was thinking about the uh, the big uh, conference thing. We had everybody speaking. We were up at Bond's place, and uh, I don't know if you remember that whole thing. But uh, now, um, you know, uh, we lost our uh, alien implant person, and uh, all I that. Know, yeah, Dr. Lear, and I, I realized that uh, I didn't know basically when I started what the hell I was doing. You know what I mean? I couldn't find a mentor. People didn't want to mentor me. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I studied on my own and uh, was able to do this. But uh, I realized that, especially when I uh, got my Uncle Louie and Tate Tim and I found out the whole family and extended family are all listening to it over and over and over. I said, well, it's Uncle Louie to us. He's, he's a god, you know. And he's mm-hmm. a, a mysterious figure to us. And he worked for military and invented stuff. And so, like, he's a really interesting yeah. guy. You know, but what we're doing is putting stuff down that would otherwise just disappear. 
You know, right. somebody told me somebody told me this, and oddly enough, uh, he works for the CIA. And he said to me, he said, what you created is almost like little books every week, like another little book about somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this and that. And he said, there, you know, and I just went, you know what, you're right. And uh, this was my part to, that I could do. Because everybody's doing their part, and then this was my part. I didn't know that's what was going to happen. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't it fascinating? That's a synchronicity. Yes. Like, like, it was really weird when people started realizing what I was doing, because I didn't know I was going to do it either. So Right. Because <laughs> I can't remember everybody was looking at me. You do what? I'm like, well, yeah, I just kind of fell into it on a dare. You know, the people that, that dared me didn't know they were daring me. They were disrespecting me. And so mm-hmm. when you disrespect me, that gets that burr under me. You know what I mean? And then I want to mm-hmm. show them, and that's what started. Resentment is really good motivator. <laughs> that's me. I've Speaking of books, go ahead. Speaking of books, because I know you want to write your book or you're working on yes. your book. People yes. always tell me to write things down. I have a problem with that. I need a scribe. I don't know why I can't. Yvonne's always yelling at me about her journal. Get but... a scribe, will you? <laughs> I need a scribe. Maybe I should just record it and get that program. People always say to get that, but I, I don't know. But anyway, on a positive note, um, Ryan Sprague, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's an investigator journalist. He's actually writing a book, and oh, he's yeah. putting my story. Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Ryan, I, um, he's, he's putting parts of my story into his book, so at least there will be something out there. That will be a start. Maybe that will motivate yeah. me for, yeah. I think for me, I mean, I told him everything that I experienced in a nutshell. Um, and I said, do, you know, do with it what you want in your in your book. Um, and his book, he, he has a title for it. He's working on it now. It's called Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the Alien Phenomenon. So people should look out for that. But I think what's hard for me is, and I shouldn't think of it this way, but it's I want to have all the answers before I write the book. I want to know exactly what's happening before I actually write the book. I don't want to write the book and then say, oh, no, six months later I was wrong and this is actually what's happening over here. But then that's, I should just keep writing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Just yeah. keep writing and uh, you might have to start uh, recording things even if it's on your phone. Like I don't right. know how we're going to do it. You could just start doing bits, because I know you have a zillion ideas, so mm. it seems like you'll have a, a brilliance, but then it, you can forget it, too, just as easy as it came, because yeah. while I'm doing one thing and distracted, that's when I come up with my best ideas, or else yeah. I'm sleeping, you know, and maybe we should start just saying stuff into a phone or, you know, start getting used to recording stuff, because at least it's down, so I, that gives me a lot of comfort and hope. That, that at least, you know, I'm doing my part, I'm, you know, of this whole thing, of this whole puzzle, you know. So anyway, you know, Yvonne, uh, you're going out to uh, the desert contact. and contacting the desert, but uh, Yvonne is going to do like a group hypnosis thing. Mm-hmm. We, um, I participated in one of the ones that she did last year. It's um mm-hmm. it's fascinating when you go to these events, especially people who aren't regulars and they come out and then they listen to Yvonne and they're like, Well, I'm here because I'm it's happening to me and what you're saying is what happened to me. It's it's fascinating. So here's one for everybody because usually people who are attracted to this field 
are because they have an experience, whether they want to admit it or not. I know I myself, mm-hmm. Rachel was like, oh, you're you're an abductee just like me, and I would just laugh at her, and I thought she was just, you know, just saying it, but then it ended up mm-hmm. being true. So it's interesting because I actually met with a, a filmmaker not too long ago, about a week ago, and he asked me, what are you into? And I said, oh, you know, UFOlogy, aliens extraterrestrials and he said to me oh so you had an experience I said what do you mean because I wasn't going to tell him I was an experiencer and he said you must have had an experience and I said why why do you think that and he said because you're drawn to this for a reason he said as a filmmaker I'm drawn to topics that I have either personally have touched me in a certain way or I've had an experience with and I make movies like that so you must have had some sort of experience that compelled you to actually be attracted to it And so, so often that does happen when people in this field were kind of all drawn to it. And you see it actually in Yvonne's uh, presentations because people will see the topic of her lecture. They will show up and they will come thinking that they're just going to stay quiet and not say anything. And then they raise their hand and they say, well, actually I wasn't going to say anything, but I was drawn to this event and this lecture because I think the same thing is happening to me. So it like draws you in. Well, it's that synchronicity thing, like we're on this yep. path, and then certain coincidences have us just right in the right position, and then we're all playing our part, and we're all part of this puzzle. Yes. Well, just like the lab. I mean, that was an elaborate puzzle that took years. And then uh, Rosemary brought up something that was shocking to me, because uh, did you know she was NASA trained, too? No, I didn't. She, she is. Yes, she is. Anyway, uh, so I I met her because I dated her brother back in the day. And uh, he, which always had telescopes and was interested in the stars and astronomy, she brought that up. I forgot all about that. You know what I mean? That he was even uh, interested in all this. Because he was an engineer and kind of a scoffer, but yet he was searching the stars constantly. She said that she remembered that about him. I said, that's odd. I never really thought about that before. And now his son, that's his son, that is has a lab. <laughs> <laughs> it's weirder than, you know, that I can even describe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was hard to even just say that right now, is that that's his kid. And I used to date all, him. It's, it's all connected. And, you know, mm-hmm. you probably go through life, because this happens to me where I never, I just do things, you know, you're just doing things and you're attracted to things and you mm-hmm. may have been attracted to certain movies growing up and mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have certain stuffed animals or toys and you never thought about it. But then then you'll connect it to your, your experiences now and then you're like, oh, that's why I was so obsessed with having an E.T. doll in my room and no Barbie. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I had to have an E.T., you know, but I didn't care about Barbie. Yeah. Like, that all E.T. Things, toy was ugly, too, but he was, he yes. was kind of cute. But he was all leathery. It was just too strange for me. I can, The kids loved it, but I couldn't I couldn't hack it. But, you know, we're on to our last uh, little minute here. So, Jackie, I want to thank you so much, and I'm so thank proud you. and honored to have you on, really. Um, I consider you one of the smartest and most beautiful people that I know. Oh, and, thank uh, you. I want to thank you so much for being on and... Uh, you know, you've made it an awesome show tonight, and you're welcome on any time. So if you you know, have a brainstorm thing, come on. Come on, we'll awesome. do it again. Okay, Okay, awesome. and then uh, 
uh, uh, we'll see you later, and God bless you, and thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Bye. Okay, you, good night. Take care. Good night. Good night. Good night. And uh, everybody else, you know, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, 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 Jackie is one of the most unusual and awesome persons that I've ever met, and uh, she still has a lot more to give us, and she's young, and I, she just has to write that book. Um, so anyway, so next week we're going to have my friend from down under, Cyrus Blue, an amazing man. Uh, so he's going to be our guest, and uh, this will be his first interview, and uh, he'll be calling in from Australia. Anyway, follow links to contact me. You can leave me a message if you would like to be part of our show or for general help and assistance. If you want to write me by snail mail, call Shara McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. Anyway, and I want to thank everybody again in chat. You guys were awesome, and those who were listening on the phone, uh, I saw you, and I'll thank you so much for tuning in. And this show is archived, so you may listen to it again. And remember to tell your friends, and the paranormal sacred is where the unheard may be heard. And God bless everybody. May your best dreams come true, and true love live in your heart. God bless you all. Take care. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.